are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Live in our studios here in Auburn, Alabama. Lance, how you doing today, my man? Doing pretty good, Noah. How are you doing? Doing really well. Of course, it's Wednesday. That means Report Wednesday here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We're going to take a look at the Arkansas Razorbacks as the Auburn Tigers gear up for a major road test in Fayetteville at 11 a.m. on CBS on Saturday. So we'll break down what we expect to see from Arkansas schematically, some advanced metrics, some things that we found from whether it be SEC StatCat or Pro Football Focus. What can we gather from what we've watched on film from this Arkansas team six games into the season? It's really fun now. It's not like it was week three when Auburn was going to Happy Valley and you didn't really know what to expect from some of these teams that Auburn was playing early on in the season, we actually have a nice assortment of data as we near the midseason point. After Actually, we are beyond the midseason point now going into Game 7. I can't believe we are already more than halfway through the college football season. It's really sad, but at the same time, it's also really exciting. I'm just happy that this is the best part of the year period and that we're right in the middle of it. We're in the thick of it, so let's get into it. Report Wednesday, but first, if you want to call in, number to call, 334-321-1390. Our text box is 334-564-1840. We'll read your text on air, answer any questions, take a look at any comments that you've got as well, observations we want to hear from you. But for the time being, let's get your pencil, paper, notebook, school is in session Let's get started on the Arkansas Razorbacks. And Lance, what can we expect to see from this team from a schematic perspective? We can expect them to run the ball quite a bit, I think. Arkansas, according to SEC StatCat, runs the ball 64% of the time. Whenever they go to run, they typically run either inside or outside zone read. Inside zone read, they run slam or bluff read or slash outside zone read they run typically off tackle what slam means is basically just slam inside between the tackles bluff read is essentially like it's an option like it's a it's a zone read play it's very similar to what we've seen under Gus Malzahn 2013 2014 Nick Marshall X-esque you'll have a tight end typically pulling in motion to the side that you're reading and you're looking at the defensive end you'll typically have somebody pulling to block that guy potentially and then a, 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 a slash, we actually, as Auburn fans, we got to see this a lot in the 2010 National Championship game against Oregon. They would line up three guys in the backfield. They'd have their fullback in front of their quarterback, and then they'd have the running back off to the to the side. So it would go fullback on the right side of the quarterback, the quarterback, and then the running back behind the quarterback on the left side, and they would run some type of slash, meaning they'd run those three players in, a, in one direction, and they'd try and get some type of option working off of it. So they play, from what I've seen, 
a somewhat aggressive running style. They like to run the football a lot, and whenever they try and throw it on you, you have some metrics about the depth of their fo- uh, of the depth of their throws. But they do flood variations, slant variations, not very complex. It's just slants, flats, tosser like we easy were talking. reads, very easy reads like we were talking with LSU. Uh, just a couple weeks ago screens screens are are our factor they'll do play action just a little bit they'll have boot they'll have sail they'll have crossing patterns but it's just nothing overly complex it's typically we're going to stick with the run and then we'll have some easy slants and easy throws on the outside spread offensive look is what you're going to see Kendall Browse is the offensive coordinator for those out there that didn't know this you're looking at some Gus Malzahn Rhett Lashley like tendencies in this Arkansas offense if you want to know what this Arkansas offense likes to do you've seen it for the last eight nine years that's kind of what you're looking at going into this ball game except you're looking at it with an actual running quarterback as opposed to a pocket passer that Malzahn had over those last five six years of his coaching career at Auburn they average 68.3 plays per game so about a medium tempo this is just two more plays per game than Georgia so up a different tempo bracket than what Auburn faced the previous week I think once these guys get a first down get some momentum they can look to speed it up a little bit but at the end of the day the heart of this is still on the ground and that's going to limit how many plays they're going to be able to run in a ball game because the clock's just going to keep turning run first offense I call this a short to shot offense these guys are going to run the ball according to their stats on Arkansas's website the run pass split is 67-33. So 67% of their plays this year have been run plays or you know a sack or you know it's gone down as a rushing attempt in their stat sheet and 33% of the time it's gone down as a pass attempt. So about right there with what you said from SEC StatCAD, the passing depth and this is what you were getting into, it is a short passing depth with a lot of play action a lot of play action shots mixed in there so these guys want to butter you up with running the football they'll mix in some easy reads with their passing game but then once they brought more players into the box once they brought you closer to the line of scrimmage they're going to hit you for the downfield ball their biggest brackets that they throw into 41 percent of the time it will be within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage so as you were pointing out some of those slant routes that they're running some screens are baked in there 16 percent of the time they throw the ball downfield 22 percent of the time intermediate and then 17.6 percent of the time it's behind the line of scrimmage so over half almost 60 percent of the time it's 58.4 percent of their passes are within 10 yards or behind the line of scrimmage these guys love to throw this ball laterally they like to throw it within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage they are not trying to stretch you out naturally with kj jefferson's arm they're not trying to beat you with kj jefferson's arm they set up the play action pass with their running game kj jefferson this year has been effective throwing the ball downfield when he has done it he's going 11 for 20 for 456 yards two touchdowns and an interception on passes thrown 20 yards beyond the line of scrimmage so he's been effective downfield honestly I would say this season he's been the most effective at throwing the ball downfield or at least at taking advantage from a yardage standpoint and a conversion standpoint from a completion percentage perspective this guy's completing a higher percentage than most of the quarterbacks Auburn has faced this year on downfield passes and the numbers from SEC StatCat 
heavily reflect that. I was just mentioning the plays that their yearly play share comes from, the plays that they typically run. I was not talking about the ones that they have the most success with. You look at the most success that, that they have with these different plays, outside zone read, inside zone read, and then shot variations is third. Whenever they elect to throw, if they complete a downfield pass, it's going to typically be successful. They've gotten 308 yards off of shot variations, according to SEC StatCat, and they have a 35% success rate overall passing the football, which is not very good, but most of it is coming whenever they want to take a downfield shot, typically, I believe, to trail on Burks. 54-46 split between normal and play action they run a play action pass 46 percent of the time that is the highest split i've seen at this point they don't run a ton of screens which was shocking to me considering some of the games that i've watched namely that georgia game Mm -hmm. i saw them throw a lot of screens and i would have expected based on some of the things that we saw in the texas game that we would have seen these running backs be more of a threat in the passing game as well that has not been the case only run a screen pass about 13 percent of the time so that's a little bit on the lower end these running backs only account for about two catches per game any, any one of them it doesn't matter just running backs on the Arkansas football team only account for two catches per game so they don't really get the running backs involved that much this is a short to shot offense and that is shown in how much play action pass they run these guys are going to run the ball nearly 70 percent of the time and then once you creep up to the line of scrimmage if they've got the ground game established then they're going to be able to hit you over the head fortunately for Auburn though I think this plays right into what Auburn wants to do from a defensive perspective. Arkansas loves to throw the ball short. Auburn's defense is meant to stop the short passing game. Auburn's defense, what they do best is stopping the run. I think Arkansas is going to have a really difficult time establishing the ground game. And if they're unable to establish the ground game, the play-action pass is rendered ineffective. And that's what we've seen from Arkansas this year. In the one game where they got manhandled, the Georgia game, that's what happened. Now, Ole Miss couldn't stop a nosebleed. Ole Miss can't stop anything. That defense is not very good. Texas A&M was able to do it to a degree. Arkansas only scored 20 points on the Texas A&M defense. A&M is a good defense, but if you take away the two big plays that were to Traylon Burks early in that ball game, might I add, Arkansas got out to a 17-point lead within the first quarter and a half, and then they only scored three points in the second half. A&M's defensive game plan, aside from a couple of broken plays on their end, it worked. And I think Auburn a team of quality here one of two good defenses that Arkansas has played at this point or the two good defenses that Arkansas has played at this point is Georgia and Texas A&M both have had effective game plans against Arkansas I don't see why Auburn can't limit what Arkansas does as well because I find a lot of value in that Auburn defense and the way that Arkansas matches up with or the way that Auburn's defense matches up with what Arkansas wants to do on offense you take all of these different things that they do into account and you look at the way that the things that they want to do have performed against different teams in week one against Rice the most successful thing that they were able to do were switch variations passing the football typically we talked about this I believe last week it includes a post and includes a wheel and then some type of dig going other underneath this is a play that you'll find can often in madden if you if you're looking for just simple passing passing plays or coach suggestions texas inside power no shock there as they ran all over texas uh in week two and these are in terms of success rate how successful these different plays were the most successful ones week three against georgia southern it was screens week four everything statistically took a 
huge dip when they played Texas A&M. The most successful thing that they would run consistently was inside zone read with a 37% success rate. Week five against Georgia, almost nothing was successful. Everything was literally at the bottom except for inside zone read. And then week six against Ole Miss, a lot of things were successful. Inside power and switch variations were the uh, the most successful for the Arkansas Razorbacks. So it's like you described. They, they run a lot of play action, they'll take shots, and they'll run the football. And they've had different degrees of success against different defenses, but you've seen against Texas A&M and Georgia, they faltered to really do much of anything. And so I wonder how much they're actually going to be able to do against Auburn, who I believe has a pretty good defense as well. So to wrap all this up from a passing perspective or from an offensive perspective, this is what you can expect from Arkansas on Saturday. They're going to run the ball nearly 70% of the time. When they're not running the football, the passing game will either be a play-action shot play or it will be something short, close to the line of scrimmage within 10 yards. That's what this Arkansas offense is looking to do. I've got some other statistics here, according to Pro Football Focus, that I think are interesting. This Arkansas offense reminds me so stinking much of what we saw from Auburn last year. It's not even funny. The only difference here is K.J. Jefferson and Bo Nix are vastly different quarterbacks. It reminds me so much, it's not even funny. Traylon Burks, get this, and I'm going to ask you, who does this remind you of? Traylon Burks is the most heavily targeted receiver for the Arkansas Razorbacks. He has 45 targets on the year with the next closest Razorback at 15. Sounds like Seth Williams. Exactly. And they play the game very similar as well. Very similar, yeah. 62% of the passes thrown Burks' way are hauled in for a reception. So a little bit under two-thirds of the time, a pass thrown to Traylon Burks will end up going for a catch on contested throws according to pro football focus so if somebody was covering him and didn't you know blow the coverage he's two for nine on bringing in a reception so I think it is possible if you can if you can stay in this guy's atmosphere you'll be able to make a play on it they aren't throwing the ball downfield a ton to Burks he's operating a lot closer to the line of scrimmage or in that short bracket and that's also as evidenced by the fact that his yards after reception is 9.5 now he had some big game he had some big gains against texas a&m that's going to shoot that up a little bit but his yards after catch what he is averaging per catch is at nine and a half so this guy's killing folks when he gets the ball in his hands and if you look at him as a receiver he's huge he looks like a running back playing wide receiver he's just got excellent hands and so folks are having a really hard time handling him out on the edge he's bigger than your average defensive back he's bigger than pretty much all of Auburn's defensive backs he's going to be a lot to handle Auburn's going to have to play well out on the edge to limit what he does but fortunately what Auburn's going to do and what I expect Auburn to do because of what we've seen all year long they're going to drop back into zone coverage and that's going to limit that there's going to be someone near him almost at all times now whether or not he'll he'll make the reception he probably will because all our defensive backs haven't just absolutely plastered guys in coverage but you're going to be able to at least limit big plays once he gets the football in his hands because there's going to be basically a perimeter of players all over the field because they drop back into zone coverage last year for auburn their their most popular plays that they went to inside zone read shot variations slant variations inside power read arkansas inside zone read shot variations slant variations outside zone read the only difference between these two offenses is that arkansas really likes the outside zone read and auburn hardly ran it at all last year they only ran it 15 times but it's very similar in terms of concept we want to run the ball play action 
take a shot to Seth Williams. Run the ball, play action, take a shot to Traylon Burks. And the thing about K.J. Jefferson, another interesting point that I want to make about him, I think he's playing really well right now in this offense. They're not asking him to do a ton, only averaging 22.5 pass attempts per game. This offense isn't about K.J. Jefferson's arm. They just want him to make a few big plays throughout the game on some shot plays, and they want him to make things happen with his legs, and they want to establish the ground game. If they do that, they'll be very happy with what they've been getting out of K.J. Jefferson. And I think at this point, that is true and that is held true, which is a big reason why Arkansas is 4-2 at this point of the year with those wins over Texas A&M and Texas, because that's what he did in those two ball games. He did it to a degree against Ole Miss. I mean, they scored 51 points. He was successful. Just the defense couldn't get it done. But K.J. Jefferson has faced pressure 31 percent of the time this season and based on the statistics I've actually been I'd say he's handled it pretty well I mean he he hasn't he it does not look like pressure really bothers KJ Jefferson that much and my reasoning for that is he's a gamer he's tough he's a big quarterback we've heard so often this year when you've been watching Arkansas games several commentators have tried to compare him to Cam Newton just because of his size alone of course he's not nearly the passer that Cam Newton was and I don't think he's nearly the runner that Cam Newton was but you know of course a big quarterback that can run the football people end up comparing him to Cam Newton that's what happens but he is tough he extends plays with his legs and he's got a big arm that I think that's a big part of why he's been able to handle pressure so well at this point this year I I expect Auburn to handle him in a different way than maybe I have suggested Auburn handle some of the quarterbacks in the past like a Sean Clifford or a Max Johnson. Me and you have talked all season long about this Auburn team needing to generate a pass rush. I'm not so sure if a pass rush is the most necessary thing in this game against Arkansas. I'm thinking dropping back eight guys into coverage may not be a bad idea from Auburn from a defensive standpoint to try and clog up these passing games and make or or this these passing lanes and make KJ Jefferson have to dissect Auburn with his arm. Don't give up anything big. Arkansas is 30th in the country in sacks allowed per game. They've given up nine this season. That's good for one and a half per game. Yeah. On the other side, though, they're not very good at getting sacks themselves. They've only gotten 10 little to no pressure (laughs) yep so that's a look at what arkansas's passing game heavily looks like when we come back we'll take a look at that rushing attack and what these guys look to do from a defensive perspective as well you're listening to on the line here on espn 106.7 and fox sports central alabama Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Our text line at 334-564-1840. We're taking your calls. We got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer coming up at 2.30 p.m. here on the line with us coming up in our next segment so stay tuned for that it's still a report Wednesday here on on the line and we're breaking down what Arkansas likes to do from a schematic perspective we took a deep dive into that passing game and what KJ Jefferson has looked at as a quarterback this season now let's get into this Arkansas rushing attack where you will see the Razorbacks run the football 70 percent of the time and when you break down the rushing attack and Lance you went into this to a degree primarily zone run plays and these guys like to get out on the edge they like to run a lot of outside zone despite this heavy zone presence though I'll also add in they do like to get KJ Jefferson on some design power runs for him alone he's third on this team in attempts 
they like to run QB draw occasionally with with KJ Jefferson. They'll run some type of inside read with KJ Jefferson where he's just running inside the tackles. And like you mentioned, though, their most of their success comes from bouncing it outside. You look at their yearly play share; they've run inside zone read the most, but their yearly yard share, meaning the t- the plays that they have the most success with outside zone read, is the best. And they typically run things outside off tackle and like I mentioned earlier inside zone read it's slam it's option it's slash concepts that everybody's seen before it's a very Gus Malzahn Rhett Lashley-esque type offense we've seen this before we've seen this quite a few times actually as Auburn fans this is the Auburn offense last year as or really we, for the last decade. As we mentioned uh, before we went to break, you look at the numbers from last year for Auburn in terms of their typical plays, and it's it's the same ones. It's inside zone read, it's shot variations, it's slant. The only difference between Auburn and Arkansas is they try and bounce it off tackle more uh, more than Auburn did last season. But I can imagine if I continue to go back uh, through some of these numbers from over the years, I can only imagine that Auburn uh, has worked in some outside zone read before. Most of their success comes off the right side of the offensive line. They like to get the ball behind tackle Dalton Wagner and guard Bo Limmer. According to Pro Football Focus, those also happen to be the two highest graded run blockers on the Arkansas football team. They also like to attach, they like to run to the strong side of the formation. Wherever the tight end is attached to the line of scrimmage, that's where they like to run the football their next highest graded run blocker according to pro football focus is tight end blake kern who has a very good run blocking grade 77.2 according to pro football focus they like to run the football they like to stack the numbers to one side they like to create those numbers advantages and then they like to get up and go still though they're running to colby wood inside and i made this point yesterday on the show i still believe that this Auburn football team is built to beat teams like Arkansas and Ole Miss. Why? Because despite Auburn's issues recruiting the offensive tackle position, despite Auburn's issues recruiting the last one and a half seasons, they still have out-recruited Arkansas and Ole Miss in the trenches, offense and defense. And you would expect, based on a lot of talk that we've had this season, that Auburn's success is going to come in the trenches. It's dependent on whether or not they're able to get a push on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. And like you just mentioned, Arkansas and Ole Miss have not recruited to the level that Auburn has. And so I think the thing that you're going to have to be looking at is very similar to last week. Can Auburn establish the ground game? Can they get a push from the, from the offensive line? And can they put a little pressure, not just on KJ Jefferson, but on this rushing attack that we just discussed is very potent for Arkansas. You take a look at the game between Auburn and Arkansas last season, and Arkansas makes that big comeback. I'm going to be honest with you. I think we could see the last season, the way that last season's game played out, I think we could see that this year without the big comeback if Auburn can limit the downfield plays. Because what did Felipe Franks do to Auburn last year? Tore him up downfield. And so if Auburn can limit big plays, I don't see any reason why on the offensive side of the football for Auburn that Auburn can't dominate in the trenches, establish the ground game, and get big plays from Tate Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. So now let's talk about this Arkansas defense. Cover three defense with three-man fronts. 
Most of the time, they're going to drop back eight guys into coverage, just like we talked about with Auburn. Very similar defenses, primarily 3-4, maybe some 3-3-5 looks. They're going to bring a three-high safety defense for primarily the entire time. They struggle to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. I think they've only got 11 sacks this year, 10 sacks this year, something like that. They're averaging less than two sacks a ball game. That's very low towards the bottom of the conference. They drop back eight into coverage. They say, all right, we can't get pressure on you, so what are we going to do? We're going to clog up the passing lanes. They've done a good job of that up to this point. It works. Opponents are averaging just 6.1 yards per attempt against them. But as I pointed out on yesterday's show, I also don't think that they've played any good passing offenses with the exception of Ole Miss. And the only good passing offense that they played torched them last week. 275 yards big plays all over the place so I think there is opportunity there for Auburn to take advantage maybe of some lapses but this is really going to challenge Bo Nix they are going to put him in the pocket they're not going to be able to get pressure on him I think Bo Nix is going to have all day to throw this weekend the question is can he read a defense sit in that pocket dissect it pick it apart and take Auburn up and down that field I think there's a real chance for that this game's going to challenge him Barry Odom specializes with a three-man front, and he's typically run so far this season a 3-2-6 or a 3-3-5, typically. He's going to have three down the linemen. The dollar defense. Yes, sir, absolutely. It's the point of this defense is to have an effective rush defense while only needing three down linemen and two capable linebackers, and you deploy the rest of your athletes to stop the back ends of the run and to defend the pass. Typically, it's what you're going to do. Normally, when you look against a three, three-man three front, like I said this offseason, it was a concern. It's like, is Auburn going to be able to stop the run the answer is yes if you have the athletes to do it you will be able to stop the run so Auburn can't go into this game looking and say oh we're going to try and be able to run the ball between the tackles because I believe Arkansas is going to try and stop that they're not very good at it at this point though giving up four and a half yards per carry on that schedule at this point on the contrary I feel like also you look at the other side of things for Auburn their run game has been slowly to uh just deteriorating because teams have just simply loaded the box and stopped the inside run so while Arkansas like you mentioned they're not a very good defensive unit I don't think they are I don't think they're fantastic they I think are going to put their SEC talent in that box and just say try and go make a play question is whether or not again the offensive line for Auburn is going to be able to get a push and just overcome that so I counter that though and I say that I wonder if they actually will do that because they haven't done that all season it goes against the very essence of what Arkansas does on defense, and it's drop back guys into coverage. Well, with the box, well, my th- my theory is, you know, regardless of what the rest of these defenses do that Ar- Auburn faced for the rest of the season, they've proven that they don't have the athletes outside to actually go and catch balls consistently. So for Arkansas, I look at my defense and I say, this is what I this is what we do well. We drop back guys back into coverage. But against Auburn, I feel like they are going to try and load the box just a little bit. They're it would be try- smart. It would be a good game plan. It would be a good thing to adjust to. You're right, they haven't done it traditionally. I think they're going to at least try it a couple of different times. I think that's the way they're going to try and stop the run. Is, is, is focus on getting the runs inside between the tackles and shutting those down. And the question is, is Auburn going to be able to bounce it outside or are they just going to simply be able to manhandle them in between the tackles? So then it makes us all think, can Auburn catch the football? We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. we got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back. 
back on On the Line. Noah Gardner and Lance Gall with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Head to our phone lines now. We got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer with us here on the Wednesday edition of the show. Justin, how you doing today, my man? I think we may have lost Justin. Sting, try and get him back on the line for us. That may be him right there uh, on the second line. He may have dropped. So while intern Sting goes and gets to work on that, Lance and I will continue to break down this Auburn-Arkansas game and what we expect to see from that Arkansas defense as it is a report Wednesday. Cover three defense, three-man fronts. That's what we're expecting to see from what Arkansas does. You and I continued the discussion into the break, and you're suggesting that they should stack the box. My thing is, I just don't expect them to do it. Right, and I agree with you. I don't expect them to do it. I'm just saying that would be an an adjustment that I think they could potentially make if they want to try and stop Auburn's running game. But like you mentioned and like I mentioned, what they're typically going to run is that three-man front, and they're just going to try and and stop you that way by dropping guys back in coverage. I just don't, don't think, I agree with you, I don't think they're going to do it. It would be an interesting adjustment to make. And I've been reading a bunch of different articles about the 3-2-6, and we talked about this over the break. Like you suggested, what Auburn should probably do is just run inside and outside zone. Which is what Auburn loves to do. And they love to do that. You look at their play chart right now, their most popular play, the one that they use the most is inside zone read. So there you go. And it's honestly one of their most successful plays as well. And here's my reasoning for it. 3-2-6, if you're running the football, just break it down like this. You've got five players inside the tackle box in a 3-2-6 defense. Zone play left or right choose which side you're running the football cut the play in half all right and whichever side you're running to count how many players on that side of the field are in the tackle box for the defense and at any one point it's only going to be three players maybe even only be two you're always going to have a numbers advantage run the football run it let's head to the phone lines now 334-321-1390 justin ferguson of the auburn observer on the line with us justin how you doing today my man I'm doing well. How are y'all? We're doing really well. Breaking down this Auburn-Arkansas football game, we've been talking from a a schematic standpoint about the Arkansas Razorbacks. What do you expect to see from Arkansas on Saturday? I think on offense you're going to see a team that continues to try to run the football as much as it can. Uh, I know they threw the ball a decent bit last week against Ole Miss, but this is still one of the lowest uh, attempts per game team in terms of passing in the country. Uh, they love to run the ball, and they love to throw off of that with K.J. Jefferson. He um, was a really good running quarterback in his own right. They rotate a lot. They play that power brand of football. Uh, you know, Auburn's got to be you know, wary of the big play threat, uh, especially with what they've got at receiver and then what happened to him last week. But if this Auburn defense can can step up on the defensive front, uh, linebackers play well, set the edge uh, you know, on the outside, um, this Arkansas team is not one that necessarily wants to throw the ball uh, a decent bit. And then in obvious passing situations has been kind of where they've had their toughest time. Uh, I believe they're 105th nationally in sack rate uh, allowed on um, on passing downs, uh, the, the obvious passing downs. So th- this has got to be a game, I think, for Auburn on offense where if they just play their strengths on defense and, and don't give up the big play, they could be in a good spot to – kind of limit what Arkansas wants to do, kind of like what we saw uh, Georgia do uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then on defense, um, you know, this this uh, Arkansas defense is, uh, likes to move around a lot, uh, do a lot of different things, a little bit lighter probably up front in terms of 
you know, their personnel. Um, they've got a lot of linebackers and safeties that they like uh, to tackle a lot and get a lot of production out of those guys. Um, so for Auburn, the big thing I think is, you know, can you get back to running the football? Because this is a matchup where you should be able to run the football particularly well. Uh, A&M did it well. Georgia did it well. Ole Miss really, really torched them on the ground uh, last Saturday. And so they've kind of been in a funk right now in the run stopping. We know Auburn Auburn's run run offense has not been as, as, as strong the last three weeks. Um, this was the game that Tank Bigsby ran wild last season, his first big game at Auburn. So uh, if you can kind of return to that, I think, you know, this matchup, I think, from just in terms of X's and O's and, and, and personnel, I, I think it favors Auburn a, a decent bit, but it, it comes down to, you know, does Auburn make the mistakes? Does Auburn make the, uh, the, 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 have the issues, the inconsistencies that I've had so far this season? Um, does that creep up again? If they can play a clean game, I think they'll be in a good spot uh, just because of the way Arkansas is built on both sides of the ball. Seems like Arkansas on pass coverage likes to drop a lot of guys back into zone. Some some three high safety looks from this team. My question is, it seems like Bo Nix might be challenged a bit. He'll have time to throw, but he's going to be challenged mm-hmm. to pick apart this defense and stay in the pocket. How do you expect him to handle that? Yeah, I mean, I think the quick passing game, the quick strike passing game that Auburn's used this season, it can work, and it can work against this 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 this, this uh, Arkansas secondary just find the soft spots and, and hit it there uh is going to be kind of one of the things but yeah i think auburn's going to want to really play off their running game in this one uh because uh this this arkansas defense does a really good job of keeping everything in front of them uh they don't give up a ton of big plays through the air um they've got a lot of talent at linebacker and in, in the secondary especially the safety that they like so yeah it's going to be one of those games where i think auburn's going to have to uh you know really find a good balance uh in their in their in their strategy but for Bo. Um, you know, last week he had a ton of dro- there were a ton of drops, he had some throwaways. Uh, he's shown some progress in the first half of the season. I think his adjusted completion percentage shows that he's a better quarterback than he was last year, and he's a better quarterback than maybe the stats might be showing right now. Um, Auburn's just got to catch the ball, and so when you play these teams that play this kind of kind of zone, um, kind of pass defense, um. You know, Nixon's going to have to do a good job of fitting it in there, um, and you know, trying to make it so that his guys will, will catch it. He got to help them out some as well. I mean, uh, the drops are the drops, and the drops need to be you know uh, taken away. And Auburn's receivers and tight ends and running backs have to do better. Uh, but you know, Nix is a quarterback that obviously knows that he can do a better job of putting them in better spots and you know maybe changing up the, the the velocity on some of his throws or the placement or something like that to kind of help out his guys as they're trying to work through their issues. Um, so it'll be interesting because this Arkansas defense is, is one that you're going to have to try to nickel and dime against mostly through the year. If Auburn's run game falters and they have to throw the football in certain situations, who do you think Auburn looks to the most often this weekend? Could it be John Samuel Schenker, or do you think it's potentially another receiver? Yeah, I mean, I think right now if you're talking about the most reliable guy you got, the most efficient guy you got, is Kobe Hudson. Uh, and Hudson has shown a pretty good job of that. He gets short stuff. He can – you know, kind of get downfield for some of those intermediate balls and make make plays. Uh, we haven't really seen him catch a deep ball yet. Maybe Auburn turns him loose on some of those at some point. But yeah, if you're looking at you know this matchup for for Auburn's Arkansas, Auburn Arkansas and this Arkansas defense tries to keep everything in front of it and doesn't give up a big play, you want to have a guy who can his be who can be reliable on the quick game uh, and some more of the intermediate stuff. And right now it's it's. Uh, <laughs> It's Kobe Hudson by 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 a long shot. Um, this is a uh, this is a wide receiver who has got 
probably the best drop rate on the team of the guys who have gotten a lot of targets this year, including the tight ends and the running backs. Uh, he is making good plays left and right for this team um, and has been kind of Auburn's most reliable receiver in several of their games this season. So uh, I would expect Hudson to be one of those guys that they go to. And uh, Right now the numbers say you know you can't, can't get the ball to him enough because he's a guy who's catching it and making things happen uh, when, he, when he does catch it. So I'd be very interested to see how that – that works out with, with Hudson trying to go up against uh, the secondary for uh, for Arkansas. Speaking with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, still diving into this receiver room for Auburn that has been plagued by drops. We have we've had several callers ask us, "What's the deal? Why are they dropping it?" Uh, your your guess is as good as mine. Uh, what do yeah. you think is going on in that receiver room? And then are there potential adjustments to the rotation moving forward? Because I know there are a lot of names that Auburn fans want to see but just don't get out there. Right. I think the big thing about the rotation is is that, you know, Auburn is going to play the guys that they feel like are giving them the best chance to win and what they show in practice. And I know that might be scoffed at by some Auburn fans, but, I mean, look at other position groups on the field. Uh, Landon King got opportunities against Georgia because of how well he performed in practice. Uh, you know, Marquise Robinson made his you know first real impact on the, in the game, got in the rotation as a true freshman, as a defensive tackle against Georgia, against a really good Georgia team because of what he did in practice. And we've seen this from several other position groups this year, so it shouldn't be any different at wide receiver, right? So, you know, it's one of those things where there are there is depth and there are some opportunities, but, like, those guys have to step up in practice, and those guys have to show that they are, whether it's Elijah Canyon or Xavier Capers or, you know, whoever, those guys have to show that they are – ones that they can be relied on in practice and that's how you get more opportunities in the game that's you know that's kind of just the line that's coming out from the coaching staff right now is just you know we're, we're going to trust the guys we feel like we can trust um from what they show in practice so it's happening in other positions it needs to happen at wide receiver this is an opportunity uh, because seven drops against a team like georgia will really cause you to evaluate a lot of things and i, I just think some of it's just it's inexperience uh it's a it's a group that has not had a whole lot of time uh, playing as a unit. Um, some of these guys that they're relying on uh, have just had a hard time getting going this year. And, um, you know, it's it's. I think it's telling that, that a guy like Kobe Hudson is your most reliable receiver right now. And he's one of the younger guys in the room. So it's possible for younger guys to step up and, and, and carve out these kind of roles. Uh, they just got to earn it. And so uh, I'll be very curious to see how much that rotation changes against Arkansas because – uh, you know, we can all ask questions and, and say, why is this guy not doing this? And why is this guy not out there? Um, but the one thing about these coaches and, and, and I'm not saying that, they, I'm not saying that they can make, you know, tough decisions by any means or, or wrong ones even. Um, but I think the big thing here is just like, those guys are going to know their personnel better than, than we do on the outside. So, uh, there, there has to be a good reason for why, uh, the rotation is what it is at this point. Last question to you before we let you get out of here. Chalon Burks is the key player on the other side, averaging nine and a half yards after catch, per reception, that is. And so my question to you is, this Arkansas team loves it short if they're not throwing the shot play. How do you expect Auburn to handle Traylon Burks? Do you think maybe they go to some man-to-man with him? Or is this Auburn team still going to stay glued to the to the zone defense? Well, it's, it's interesting because I think Auburn ran some man against uh, Georgia last week and it didn't work. Uh, some one-on-one matchups, they got beat downfield, and that's the one thing you can't do against Burks um, because he's got a ton of big play poten- potential. But, yeah, you want to keep him in front of you. You want to tackle well in space. 
but they really like throwing to him off of those, those RPOs and stuff like that. You know, whether it's a slant or one of those just quick, you know, uh, you press him up at the line of scrimmage and he can go by you. Um, you know, it, it'll be it'll be one of those things where I think they're going to have to do a variety of things. I think it's going to be you attack it very much like you attacked uh, Keishon Butte at the LSU in the LSU game, like first drive, first quarter. He got he got your number, and then after that, using a variety of strategies, a variety of leverages before the snap, variety of players responsible for him in coverage, you quieted him and and, and shut him down for the most part uh, after the first quarter. I think that's the kind of the same philosophy you have because you know Traylon Burks is their receiver, like is their number one receiver. No one else on the team averages more than uh, averages two catches a game besides. Burks and he's at like four or five maybe not even more than two targets (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so because this is a this is a team that is low in pass attempts but they feed the ball to that one guy and and for good reason he's an awesome receiver Uh, but I think Auburn has got to do a good job of changing things up they can't be as predictable on the back end maybe that means a little bit more man but if you are playing man and you are pressing him you better hang in there uh, and do your job um, and uh, because uh, he's a guy that can turn. Uh, you know, he just needs a little bit of space, and he can he can turn into a big play. We've seen it time and time again this season, especially that Texas A&M game where he he ran wild on an RPO attempt. Justin, appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Tell everybody where they can find all your content. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Six dollars a month, sixty dollars a year gets you access to everything we've got going on. A lot of newsletters this week, offense, defensive breakdowns for this Auburn Arkansas game. Film room on the drop issue. We were talking about earlier and how much of that's affected the Tigers in the first half of the season. We'll preview the game tomorrow uh, in our in our premium podcast. Have a mailbag on Friday. A lot of stuff over the weekend as well. So AuburnObserver.com, sign up there. And uh, once you're subscribed, everything we do gets sent straight to your email inbox. Justin, thank you, my man. I hope you have a good rest of the afternoon. Y'all too. Thank you. That was Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer with us on the line to preview that Auburn-Arkansas game coming up this Saturday. We'll be back with more of our number one here to wrap up our number one on the other side of this break. Wrapping up our number one of the thir- of the Wednesday edition, almost a Thursday, Wednesday edition of On the Line. It feels like a Thursday for some reason. I'm like a day ahead every single day this week but we are on hump day of arkansas week and that's a report wednesday here on on the line breaking down the arkansas razorbacks here on espn 106.7 at fox sports central alabama no gardner and lance doll with you lance you and i will get back to report wednesday later on in the show to break down these teams strengths and weaknesses and how they match up with each other but i'll tell you feeling pretty good about this ball game against Arkansas over the weekend and I think again the question that we have to ask ourselves is is Auburn going to be able to run the football they've slowly statistically there's been a decline right since the uh since the uh, Alabama State game they ran the ball for over 300 yards and since then it's just been slowly slowly trickling down and then there were 39 yards against Georgia this past weekend Based on the numbers that we broke down or, uh, so far during the show, I would like to think that Auburn is not only going to be able to run the ball on average three or four yards a carry, but I think they're going to be pretty darn successful, especially if they're better in the trenches than Arkansas, and I believe they are. I think they're going to be able to kick the door down, but we'll get to that later on. I want to take a look at some early impressions of these games coming up on Saturday outside of Auburn, Arkansas, and let's take a look at number 11 Kentucky at number one Georgia 2 30 p.m. CBS what's an early impression that you have of this ball game 
And get this. I can't believe this. And, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on as well. Cole Kubelik tweeted out earlier today that Saturday's Kentucky-Georgia game is the first time since the SEC split into divisions that two SEC East teams will play each other with both teams being at least 6-0. and Which is surprising. My One of my early impressions of this game is that I should not go into this expecting a Georgia blowout because last time I said things could get ugly quickly in an SEC matchup, uh, the home team that was unranked beat a number one Alabama team, 41 to 38. So I'm not saying that Kentucky's going to win this ball game. I'm just saying I will not walk into this matchup on Saturday saying Georgia's going to win by 30. I just can't. Not not after what I've seen so far this season. One of my impressions is do not go into this game expecting a blowout because so many crazy things have happened so far through college football. Would not be surprised if this was one of those games where it's either really close or Georgia somehow manages to slip up. I'll say this too, though. I think this Kentucky team is different. I'm not going into this game like I did all the other Georgia-Kentucky matchups where we thought, oh, this Kentucky team's a good football team, but they're not going to hold a flame to what Georgia does. Mm-hmm. And Georgia should be able to put this thing on the ground, play good defense, and win you know, 24-3 to or something like that. And that's what we have seen in the past where Kentucky just couldn't score. Georgia didn't score a lot either. But I, I'm, I'm still questioning whether or not Kentucky's going to be able to score enough to make this thing interesting down to the wire because Kentucky is similar to Arkansas – and that they have to be able to run the ball to be successful. There's not a this is not a consistent passing game. Will Levis had the best game possibly of his career last week against LSU, but will you be able to do that against Georgia? I think this Kentucky team can even do better than what Auburn did this past week in trying to match Georgia's physicality. They may be able to go longer than Auburn did. Auburn did it for about two and a half quarters, and then everything gave way. Georgia finally grinded them out. Kentucky may be able to go four quarters from a physicality standpoint. I really like this team in the trenches, especially on the offensive side of the ball. These guys are Joe Moore Award contention every single year in the trenches. They have built that group out to be that good every single year. I think that they can rise to the challenge from a physicality standpoint but I still question whether or not they can connect on the pass plays that they need to to keep drives going that Auburn couldn't can Kentucky do that when really their main wide receiver threat is Wondell Robinson he plays very close to the line of scrimmage I just have major questions about that but I do like this Kentucky team a lot and I think that the way that we view this game between Kentucky and Georgia definitely should be different than the way that we viewed it in recent years I think there is a chance for Kentucky to make this somewhat close going into late third quarter fourth quarter scenarios this is not an indication of whether or not Kentucky can perform better or worse than Arkansas but I want to ask you if Kentucky and Arkansas played right now who would you pick Mm, I'd take Kentucky I think because of what they do from a matchup perspective Kentucky should be able to run all over Arkansas make things simpler for their quarterback Will Levis whereas I think Kentucky's defense is very good especially at defending the pass Arkansas should have a Arkansas would have a very difficult time scoring there so I would take Kentucky and that's the other point here that I want to make Kentucky's defense is very good it's not talked about enough I think they can give Georgia's offense some fits I think from a physicality standpoint if Auburn was able to rise to the occasion on that side of the ball I think Kentucky should be able to Georgia's not going to stretch the field out on them if you can go and beat them hat on hat or at least try and limit a little bit of what they do in the ground they're going to run a lot of clock and you might be able to limit what they can do on the scoreboard 
I would not be shocked if Kentucky holds them to less than 30 points in this ballgame. I think there's a real chance for that to happen. I wouldn't be shocked if the final score on Saturday, and this line's at 22, I could see the final score on Saturday being something like 24 to 10 or like 24 to 6. That would not surprise me at all. And if I'm going to pick, if I were to pick a score, I'd probably sit somewhere around there. Yeah, I agree with what you were saying. I think this Kentucky team is better than different Kentucky teams that we've seen in the past in terms of matching up with with competition that is clearly better than them in terms of recruiting. I think Kentucky has a legitimate shot to keep this game close. It's just whether or not they can hang with Georgia in the trenches for long enough. Fortunately for them, though, I think this Georgia team's better than traditional Georgia teams as well. So at the end of the day, the result may still be the same, even though this Kentucky team is different than what we've seen in the past, which is where I was coming from on 24-6. to That's it for hour number one here of On the Line. We'll be back with more on the other side of this break. are on the line live on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm in birmingham and sylacauga and in auburn on espn 1067 or online on fox sports 983.com and espnau.com you are on the line with noah gardner and lance daw join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500 Hour number two of On the Line on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you here for the Wednesday edition of the show. Fun show so far. We've had Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer here with us. If you missed any of the show today, go and find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio or on Radio Alabama Sports. .net. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out there on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. Between collegiate and high school sports content, we've got you covered. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. A post that I put up yesterday, I gave you my rankings for this week in college football, how I viewed or how I think that the AP Top 25 should have been ranked this week. You can go and find that there once again on RadioAlabamaSports.net. I want to start off hour number two with our daily making headlines segment. The Atlanta Braves yesterday, they did the thing, guys. They did the thing. They advanced to the NLCS for the second straight season, awaiting the winner of the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers, which I'll say at this point, if it wasn't for how well the Astros and the Red Sox are playing still the two best records in baseball or the Giants and the Dodgers left remaining and uh feels like that's the World Series being played in the NLDS yeah. not really uh because baseball is still an up and down anything can happen type of game especially in the playoffs as you can see by the Tampa Bay Rays already going down the Milwaukee Brewers were better than the Braves for a vast majority of the season the Braves handled the Brewers in that series but the Braves are back in the NLCS for the second straight season awaiting the winner of the Giants and the Dodgers I just want to go to the World Series man I just I want I want it yeah but the history there is crippling failure and defeat and agonizing pain word on the street is we're probably not getting past San Francisco or Los Angeles there should be some confidence there though late in the season the Braves got real familiar with those two teams had several series there with the Giants and the Dodgers down the stretch 
And if I remember correctly, I think they won a series against the Giants there at the end. You might be able to find that quicker than I can. But I remember the Braves having some success against those two teams. Now, granted, I'm pretty sure they also still lost to the Dodgers and the Giants more than they won. But I wouldn't, in a seven-game series, just write the Braves off with how well they've played here at the end of the year. And most people would have thought that the Brewers were the better baseball team going into that series, especially if you were just comparing records. But the Braves are a different team than what their record looks like. Braves are a much better team than that. They're playing good baseball here at the end of the season. In September, uh, the Braves lost a series against the Giants, but here were the scores, 5-6 and 11 uh, 2 and then they won a game 3-0 at the end there it was a comp- I watched all three of those games it was a competitive series a very competitive series is that the only series they played against the Giants it's not I believe they also played in August and they did win a series at home against the Giants in August Six, yeah I remember five, when the Braves were pushing for the division they took a series against the Giants so that was what I was thinking of 6-5 uh 05 they lost and then they won 9 to nothing and then right after that they played a series against the Dodgers which they were swept in yeah, uh, but all three of those games were decided. Well, two of them were decided by one run, and one was three to five. There's a lot of talent on those two teams, and a lot of pitching depth on those two teams. So that's something else that you have to be concerned about. They outnumber the Braves there with arms, and their bats have been better than the Braves this year. I think some of the Braves' hitting statistics have been skewed a bit based off of two thirds of the season of how the Braves played, mm-hmm. which was really just kind of touch and go. But I'm, I wouldn't write them off. I think they can still make – I don't think it's going to be like the NLDS three years ago when the Braves got chomped by the Dodgers. I mean, but this is going to be the third straight year in a row possibly that the Braves and the Dodgers meet in the playoffs. Max Kershaw is an animal. He is not somebody that I want Atlanta going up against. You mean Max Scherzer? Max Scherzer. I'm sorry. Man, I really mixed my Clayton Kershaw is on the same team, though. Yes, Clayton Kershaw <laughs> and Max Scherzer are both animals. You look up and down LA's roster, and it's like every household name in Major League Baseball, it feels like. I mean, they just That's loaded the it up. That's the payroll, man. It's and then just, look at the Los Angeles Lakers. It's the same way. Money will do that to you, man. Like, even I'm not somebody that... It's the new Yankees. It's, I don't follow baseball that closely. I've only been really watching the Braves for about a year and a half, two years now. And even I am able to recognize a lot of different names on L.A., which indicates they have a very talented roster. They have a very deep roster. Second headline in our Making Headlines segment, the Houston Astros on the other side of the playoffs in the American League finished off the White Sox to advance to the ALCS to play a different type of garment, the Red Sox. <laughs> Sting, how you feeling after your Astros won? Are you, th- are you pretty confident? Oh, I'm so confident. I mean, I just I, I love all the accusations of uh, cheating already after uh, two wins over the White Sox at home, and then uh, the Astros score more, more runs and two runs in, ch- in two games in Chicago than they did in two games in Houston. So, dang, that's cool. Dang. Intern Sting, enemy of the people. Yep, <laughs> I feel cheated. Yep, I feel cheated. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Well, hey, look, I want the Braves to make the World Series too because I want to play y'all's team. I feel comfortable playing the Astros right now. Really? Yeah, I'd take I'd take them over LA or, or San Francisco. Well, yeah. Of course. I mean, but if the Braves can get past the Dodgers or the Giants, whoever, and get to the World Series, look, take the gloves off. Anything can happen at that point. Oh yeah, for sure. Including agonizing pain and defeat. But <laughs> That's how the MLB playoffs are going right now. Tonight's game between the Giants and the Dodgers is at 8 on TBS. Third headline now, moving away from baseball into college football, LSU cornerback Eli Ricks, head coach Ed Orgeron, made the announcement today. He's out. 
for the rest of the season. The injuries keep mounting for the Tigers, who are now without Derek Stingley and Eli Ricks for the rest of the season. Man, every single time I look around and I see LSU just like lighting something else on fire, I'm like, oh, well, the season's done. Like, it's definitely done. And then they give me another reason to say, well, their season's just well, think about this. this it's point. expected that Stingley won't play again this year right. because he, I think he had an operation and then. Eli Ricks now out. Kayshawn Boutte is gone. Literally the three best players on LSU's football team and the three main reasons why so many people had them with a bounce back season, they're all gone. Who does Max Johnson have to throw to? He's not getting a whole lot of help from his offensive line up front. And then on the defensive side of the football, the main thing that LSU has hung its hat on at this point this year is how well the secondary has played. That's taken two massive hits. One cornerback you might be able to survive. It's still a big hit, but one cornerback you might be able to survive. You lose two. Now you've headed two spots down your depth chart. And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be some weak spots in that secondary moving forward that teams are going to be able to exploit. And LSU still hasn't played the meat of their schedule yet. They're playing Florida this week. They've still got to play Ole Miss. They've still got to play Arkansas. They've still got to play Alabama. That's all about to take place over these next four weeks. And then after that, after they've lost all four of those football games, they get to play Louisiana Monroe, which should be a win. But, you know, at that point, you just never know because I'm looking at this LSU team like 2012 Auburn. And Auburn, now granted, that Louisiana Monroe team was actually decent, but Auburn struggled against any opponent that season in 2012 with the exception of New Mexico State. That was it. And is Louisiana Monroe going to be LSU's New Mexico State? Maybe. Does it really matter? Because in the last week of the season, they still have to play Texas A&M, where even if they win that game, they're still not going to a bowl game. We go back to a headline that we talked about yesterday. The writing could be on the wall for Ed Orgeron. The question is, because you remember hearing about this after Les Miles was fired, financially does LSU want to move on from their head coach because they had issues with that and threats from that back when less when they moved on from Les Miles but the thing is they moved on from a coach that was perennially eight or nine wins to go to Ed Orgeron who sure did bring them a national championship but also has brought down the program to a pretty bad spot moving forward yeah absolutely and then you mentioned the schedule and obviously all those sec games i believe the opposing team will be favored in and then you look at that ul monroe game and in the past monroe has kind of built their team off of just simply having a pretty good offense and just trying to score more than you Caleb Evans was there for like six or seven years, their quarterback. He's not there anymore. And this season, the most they've scored is 29 points against Troy. They scored 12 against Jack State, six against Coastal Carolina, and 21 against Georgia State. Lost to Kentucky, obviously, in week one, 10 to 45. They just, I don't know if they have the, uh, the, the enough uh, bullets to do it, but if LSU is just down and out at that point, anything could happen. Point being, this, this, the fact that we're even talking about that with this LSU program just kind of tells you the state of it. And losing a couple of their secondary players in Ricks and Stingley is just kind of like a, well, it's, it's kind of over at this point. I thought Texas, not Texas, I thought LSU, who has now reached a worse point than where Texas ever was at, but... I think LSU, for the past couple of years, I've been saying that eventually the wheels were going to fall off and they kept prolonging it. Now I think the wheels have finally fallen off. And I was wrong each of those years, but it's finally happened. And this happened to be the year of my preseason predictions where I was like, yeah, I think they'll be better this year than they were last year. I don't think that they're going to beat Auburn because I had Auburn beating them, but I still thought they were going to get back to like fourth or third in the SEC West. 
I think they just might keep dropping on a week-to-week basis after this stretch right here of games the meat of their schedule is now and the way they got ran over by Kentucky this past week from a physicality standpoint that's not good when you are about to play some really physical football teams Florida and Arkansas they're going to run all over you literally run the football repeatedly to your ultimate demise let's go to a, a, an LSU or not LSU a Louisiana team that had a little bit happier of a night Louisiana Lafayette did you see them last night thumping Appalachian State 41 to 13 to advance to 3 and 0 in the Sun Belt I didn't tune in but then I'll check the final score and I said to myself not not out loud I just thought to myself like man this is typically how the Sun Belt goes you've got your three or four really good teams and eventually midway through the season one of them will just beat the snot out of another and then Appalachian State will turn right back around and beat the snot out of somebody here in just a couple of weeks it's just kind of you can look pull up their schedule to see if they have, have the opportunity to do so but that's just kind of the, how the Sun Belt works at least the way I've seen it by the way about that LSU game you can get 50 yard line tickets right now for 75 bucks you want to go Florida LSU $75 50 yard line best seats in the house you can give for 75 dollars against florida when is the last time that we saw this much much disinterest in a florida lsu game it's really disappointing do you have the app state schedule i've got the coastal carolina schedule Hit and me. they happen to play appalachian state oh. next week on wednesday wednesday oh, night per- fun belt perfect <laughs> perfect and it's on the road in boone north carolina oh no Man, I, I think I think Coastal will win that game, but that'll still be that'll still probably be one where we're like, oh, App State's not that terrible. They just had they just slipped up on a Tuesday night. Sun Belt update with an in-state team, South Alabama. They have, I believe they're at three and two at this point. Yeah, they're at three and two, but they're zero oh and two in conference play. Dang it. They though will be playing a winnable game this week. I would say they're taking on Georgia Southern, who's two and four this year. After that, they'll play Louisiana Monroe, another winnable game. Arkansas State as well. Arkansas State is awful in Butch Jones' first season. There's three winnable games in a row for South Alabama that has lost close through the first two weeks. They played Louisiana very close, only lost by two. And then you see, that was why I put this headline here, because I wanted to talk about what South Alabama's doing down in Mobile. Mm-hmm. South Alabama barely lost to a team that just beat one of the traditional powers in the Sun Belt by 28 points. They only lost by two to them. Of course, they lost in quadruple overtime to Texas State last week, 33-31. to But if they can string together some wins here, they've got some winnable games, can get to five wins before they head into what we played as November being a very tough slate of games for South Alabama, where they'll be on the road at Troy, Appalachian State, and Tennessee, and then they wrap up the season with a home game against Coastal. So they needed that win over Texas State last week to for me to feel good about bowl eligibility. But South Alabama's hanging in there. And their quarterback, Jake Bentley. Absolutely fantastic. You look Local at this Opelika product. The back half of the schedule, though, all they need is three more wins. I think they can get them. Again, we talked about it in the offseason. We interviewed South Alabama's play, uh, play-by-play announcer. We got to ask him what he thought about potentially getting to a bowl. He said sniffing bowl eligibility is a possibility. I think they can still make it. 100%. They might need to pull an upset, like against Detroit, but that that'll be what it's coming down to at the end and then um you know it, it's gonna be tough november's very very difficult four games there are three road games in a row to start november and then coastal is your home game so it will be difficult but sniffing ball eligibility is a real 
a real scenario here for South Alabama. Moving to our last headline on our Making Headlines segment, Cole Kubelik tweeted out earlier today that Saturday's Kentucky-Georgia game is the first time since the SEC split into divisions that two SEC East teams will play with both teams being 6-0. and How bad has this division been historically for this to be a true statement? It's probably been pretty bad. And normally you think about this Florida-Georgia rivalry being fun and being competitive, and you would have assumed at some point that these teams would have walked into that game at least 6-0, and both of them. Really surprised that that, is not, that has not happened. Really surprised that that has not happened. I'm going to ask you this question. Florida-Georgia, how close do you think that game can be? Well, you look at the way that Florida played Alabama, and initially everybody was like, oh, that's really impressive. That If that game had gone to overtime, Jeremy said this on yesterday's show, if that game went to OT, I think Florida wins. Uh, really impressive that they played the Tide so competitively. But then you see what Alabama did just this past weekend. You're like, oh, was that as impressive of a loss as we thought it to be? Georgia right now is just kind of steamrolling everybody. They've been able to shut down essentially everything that any opponent has wanted to do. They've shut down running games really well. Florida right now is statistically the best rushing offense in the conference. I think that game could potentially, I'm not saying it it could get out of hand, but I think that's a 14-point win for Georgia. Really? And they're playing with some motivation after last year's loss to Florida as well. They don't lose to Florida often, at least over the last little bit. So let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to take a look at some other games happening in the SEC this Saturday and give you our early impressions of those games. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. It's a report Wednesday here on On the Line, breaking down the Arkansas Razorbacks, giving you our thoughts on them from a schematic perspective, as well as taking a look at them from a strengths and weaknesses. How does Auburn match up with those guys? It's been a fun show so far today, Lance. Absolutely. And if you've missed any of it, you can go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. I've been counting. Yes, I have. It might be weird. I'm on episode 130. This is my 130th episode. So if you want to go back and listen to all 130, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Let's head to the phone lines now. Number to call 334-321-1390. Our text box at 334-564-1840. And it's Spectre joining us. Spectre, how's it going today? pretty good how's it going with you guys it's going pretty good loving the weather outside hey i was thinking our conversation yesterday about nick saban losing and what happens afterwards and so on and so forth yeah uh tell me if i'm wrong every time he's had a loss hasn't there been clock management a problem Seems like it. Seems like to Auburn there has been. <laughs> I don't know if I would say so with like their some of their losses to Ole Miss back in the day, but uh, for Auburn against Auburn for sure. Yeah, Texas A and M, I think so too. Because if you recall in the first half, yeah, Texas A and M had a third down with with about I don't know forty seconds left to play, and he had three timeouts. Uh, Saban did, and I was curious why he didn't call a timeout force them to punt after the third down play and have plenty of time maybe to get down to have a field goal at least i i don't disagree with you and he was asked about that at halftime and um i i don't know if you've seen the video and he he just he it didn't seem like he had a 
a very thought through answer. He 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 was kind of caught off guard I think a little bit based on his answer honestly his answer I couldn't even repeat it to you because it didn't even make sense to me what what he said at halftime that may have just been a, a clock mismanagement a mistake that even the best coach in college football is prone to make yeah yeah you're right I, I think it is if you ever if we go back if, well I, I ain't got time to do it but <laughs> if anybody ever ever needs to do anything go back and see all his losses see if there's a clock management problem because I'm sure, I mean, hell, that was, that three, it was three points difference in the game. That does that does make a difference there, especially if Alabama could have gone back and, and scored there towards the end of that half. So you're not wrong. Yeah. All right. I, I just wanted to bring that to light, see if anybody else had any input on that. Appreciate the call, Spectre. Thank you. That was Spectre on the line with us. Lance, anything to add to that? Yeah, I got time. I'll go back and look and see if he had clock management issues. He's had, what, 20 losses at Alabama, 19 losses, something like that. Can go back and look and see if he's had clock management issues. I don't think that's the reason why they lost. No, but I think it's entertaining. (laughs) And there could be a running theme. And he was asked at halftime, and he just was like, well, you only call a timeout with with a minute left. And he was rambling. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about, man? Like, What what are you talking about? I don't think he had a good answer. He didn't. I I would have been like, straight up, blew it. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Straight up, sorry. Forgot about him. On the flip side, though, and A&M may have still not – A&M still could have attempted to run there on third down, and, and it, you know, what Specter said, Alabama could have got the ball back. But what if Saban stops the clock for them and A&M decides to throw and they pick up a first down and get going? Yeah, there you go. I mean, at the, at the, at the same point, I mean, there was 40 seconds left. You might be able to do something with those 40 seconds. And once again, I don't disagree with you, Inspector. There was still time for him to do something, but – he went with the conservative call and said, yeah. let's take it into the locker room. We've got our cans beat here in the first half. Let's take it into the locker room and figure some things out. There's still two more quarters to play. So I don't think that was the reason why they lost. No, I don't um, think so. And I, and I don't think that that's what Spectre was saying either. But I I know something was made about that in, in Alabama Twitter, you know, and, and, and folks like that. But I, I didn't read too much into that. I thought the answer was interesting. I thought I was like, wow, <laughs> that's uh, that that's – he just didn't know what to say. So let's take a look at some of the other games happening around college football. I asked you about number 11, Kentucky, and number one, Georgia earlier. Now, the one that may be the most entertaining game of the weekend of the SEC, number 13, Ole Miss at Tennessee, 6.30 p.m. SEC Network. Oh, man, there should be a lot of points scored in this game. And I mean, should like, be. I a lot of points scored in this game. There should be. Really excited to see Matt Corral versus Hendon Hooker, who I mentioned on yesterday's show, I believe, has the current, like, the best quarterback rating in the sec i mean this tennessee offense right now under josh heupel is dealing it's in neyland three-point line man this is going to be a fun matchup sold out as well cannot wait first time in a while right first time in a while really excited to watch this game and i think tennessee fans after the last two weeks they have some serious confidence as well they played really well against two bad football teams but Ole Miss has a bad defense, and they should be able to at least keep up from a points perspective. The question is, can they find the defense at home? This is going to be an entertaining football game, possibly the most entertaining game of what is a pretty weak slate, I think, on Saturday heading into Week 7. Let's head to the phone lines again, 334-321-1390. We got Dan on the line with us. Dan, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. I was going to reiterate the last caller, what they were saying about that game. It was, it was a minute and 13 seconds, and Texas A&M runs the ball on first down for a yard. So it's second and nine, and Alabama has three timeouts. 
they, they were definitely Texas A&M was definitely they're, they're on their nine yard line. They're they're definitely not trying to score. They're trying to run out the clock and yeah. and not give up something. And I was shocked. I, I mean, I couldn't believe that because because that's they're going to run the ball two more times to use up Alabama's timeouts and punt. Alabama probably would have caught the ball at the fifty yard line and with a good return. I mean, heck, that could have been already been in field goal range. I I thought that that Nick played that. Terribly, I, I, I mean, I mean that's just textbook textbook football. Now, if you want to say, hey, he was worried about you know Texas and them going 90, 92 yards or so, <laughs> and and you know in a minute, I, you know I don't. It just it was very it was a very strange call. Yeah. something that Nick Saban never does, and that, and, then, and like I said, when the reporter asked him the question, he. I, he started talking about it as if he was talking about his offense should have called the timeouts or something. I, I didn't know he did. I don't. I don't even. It may not have crossed like his mind. Totally, yeah, I mean, you know, but I, I would have thought maybe his even 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 his uh, uh, you know his offensive coordinator might have said, "Hey, coach, we want to call timeout. Do you want to call timeout?" Yeah, but maybe he was just just frustrated with how how bad their defense performed. Maybe he just said, "Give me to the locker room and let me you know choose some ass or something." And I so think that's probably that. what it was. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably what it was. I mean, I, I mean, coaches are human too, you know. I mean, it, it very well could have just he his mind could have been elsewhere based on what was happening in the football game. I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, but it, it was very strange. Hey, yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, Dan, appreciate it. Call back again. That was Dan three three four three two one thirteen ninety. If you want to chime in, yeah, I was gonna make a joke, but in all seriousness, his head might have just been in a different space, right? He could have just been thinking about how he was going to address the locker room, what kind of adjustments he was going to make. Maybe he just kind of checked out. He's like, okay, they're not going to score. They're at the nine yard line. Let's get to the half. And he's already thinking. He's already in a different place mentally. And so, for a reporter to bring up, what about the timeouts? You know, maybe he was just so emotional in his head where when presented with a question like that that he wasn't even thinking about at the time he didn't know how to answer it so yeah i definitely think that's a possibility he could also just been just rolling some tide just that just right just just rolling some tide that could have been a possibility as well <laughs> most people that do that aren't really thinking clearly anyway so I'm, I'm kidding that's a joke that is a joke taking a look at some of the other games happening this saturday speaking of alabama how does alabama fifth ranked alabama now bounce back on the road at mississippi state 6 p.m espn should be uh, it should be an interesting game on on paper because of the way that Alabama's been playing so far this season. Interesting stat for you here. Alabama's past three games following a loss. 2020 against Michigan, they won by 19. At Mississippi State in 2019, they won by 31. And then against Clemson, uh, they, they won by 18. Those are the last three games that Alabama's played following a loss. They've not lost by, or won by less than 18 points so on the road against a three and two Mississippi State squad I'm sure there are going to be adjustments that Nick Saban makes I think that line at 17 is fair does Mississippi State have the opportunity to cover absolutely I think they do especially with the question marks in Alabama's secondary right now which is something that I never really thought that I would say heading into the season after talking about how good the secondary could have been this offseason but they were good last year and they're pretty much fully intact with the exception of Patrick Sertan the question I have about this Alabama team and I do think Alabama will win by a large margin against Mississippi State but if they don't what does that tell us about this Alabama team moving forward. I think it tells us that this may be one of the worst Alabama teams that Nick Saban has had, stretching back to that 2010 season. Even the 2019 team, if Tua was healthy, um, I think that that's a a very different Alabama team, but that team underachieved tremendously. I mean, you go back to some of those Alabama teams that lost three games, two or three games, 
that's the type of ballpark that this Alabama team could be getting into because you expect them to come back, be fired up, fix where they went wrong, and it, and that loss had finally gotten their attention for it to have been a wake-up call like I explained on yesterday's show. But if it doesn't, what does that say about this young Alabama team that still maybe hasn't learned how to be a championship team? I, I think that that's what that would tell us. Yeah, I agree. And there are definitely some things that they need to clean up. And like I mentioned, like you mentioned, the secondary is not injured. They're not they're not hurting anywhere. They're just not executing. And we've seen that across college football so far this season. It's not out of the out of the normal this year. It's just out of the normal for Alabama. On the other side of this break, we wrap up Report Wednesday, taking a look at Arkansas's strengths and weaknesses and how we expect Auburn to match up with them. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Hour number two of On the Line. About 30 minutes left in the Wednesday edition of On the Line. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack following us from 4 to 6 p.m. on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Stay tuned for that. Wrap it up. Report Wednesday. Last segment here talking about the Arkansas Razorbacks for today. We'll continue to talk about it throughout the rest of the week and break it down from different perspectives. But today, it was about schematics. It was about advanced metrics. It was about what this team likes to do. How does Auburn match up with their strengths and weaknesses? Let's get down into it. One strength for the Arkansas Razorbacks, Lance? I would say running the football. I mean, they've been able to kind of force their will against everybody not named Georgia and Texas A&M. They've been able to run the football pretty efficiently, not just with their running backs, but with their quarterback, K.J. Jefferson. I think that is the strength of this team. If you were just to ask somebody on the street, what does Arkansas do well in 2021? They'd probably tell you without even thinking about the defense. Yeah, they run the ball well. Any year, I feel like that's kind of the name of the game for Arkansas it seems for so long but they're not able to do it against the best teams I agree with you though that is an area on offense that I think you would have to peg as a strength if you were going to name something I think at the end of the year we're going to look at this Arkansas team and be like they had a hot start but this team was just kind of average I think that or maybe above average is the way that we'll view this Arkansas team but I will go to the defensive side of the football for a strength I will say the Arkansas secondary is a strength at least how they're playing right now I think there's really only one true stud in that defensive backfield namely being Jalen Catalan but even pro football focus is saying that he's not having that incredible of a year but he does have the two interceptions at this point Jalen Catalan the roaming safety for Arkansas that can go and make some plays if you make a mistake that guy he's going to come away with it on interception he had a lot of picks last year I can't remember how many totally had last season I don't have that in front of me but it was very successful last year for the Arkansas Razorback defense this team drops back a lot of guys into coverage seven or eight on any given play they're going to play zone coverage clog up passing lanes they've done a good job of that opposing quarterbacks complete 55 percent of their passes per game for 156 yards per game and 6.1 yards per attempt with just three total touchdowns this year and four interceptions on the season. Arkansas is not creating as many turnovers as they were last year, which kind of supports the notion, which I've heard many a coach say, that you know turnovers are a funny thing, man. Some years they come in droves. Other years it's a drought, right? It's like the weather. Some years you got a lot of rain. Other years you're sitting in a drought. And this Arkansas team is going through a drought. They have only forced five turnovers this year one fumble and then four interceptions which last year they were towards the top of the sec and takeaways at one point through like three or four games last year they were in first thanks to matt corral throwing six interceptions but this arkansas team last year was good 
at forcing turnovers. That is not the case this year, and I think that is by virtue of how they play the game. They just drop back into coverage, and Ben don't break. That's been the defense for Arkansas at this point. The secondary's done a good job of that, though. They lock it down in zone coverage. Some years you're Iowa. Some yeah. years you're Arkansas. It's just the way it goes. Sometimes you get turnovers, sometimes you don't. This team, I feel like outside of the running the football, they have a good secondary. I would I would classify Traylon Burks, not even the passing game, just Traylon Burks as a strength. I mean, you and, and Justin were talking about it earlier. They throw a lot to this guy, and he comes down with quite a few 50-50 balls. He is a weapon on the outside, and Auburn is going to have to – very similar to what Arkansas wants to do. Bend, but don't break. Do not let Traylon Burks get past you because Traylon Burks and uh, K.J. Jefferson have really good chemistry. Could see a few shot plays in this game, and I just hope Auburn is able to hold their own. This is definitely, from a secondary perspective, this may be one of the the, the biggest tests, I would say, for Bo Nix from a schematic standpoint. Mm-hmm. But he's going to have a lot of time to throw. They're not going to bring more than three or four on any given play. They don't blitz a whole lot. They're not too aggressive with their blitzing. Like I said, going to drop back into coverage. It's just going to force Bonex to stand in there. And that internal clock, we know this from Bonex, that internal clock goes off for him as a quarterback after about three seconds where nobody's gotten open and then he decides to flee the pocket, move to his right. I don't want to see him do that in this game. If the pressure is not coming, stand there like a statue. Like we like we saw Sean Clifford do. Stand there like a statue and wait for one of your receivers to find an opening in the zone unless there's some major grass to run into in front of you to pick up the yards with your legs. That's how I want to see Bo Nix play this weekend. Stay in the pocket even after three seconds. If guys aren't open down, downfield, don't leave the pocket if pressure's not coming. Only leave the pocket if it begins to break down for you i want to see him keep his feet set stay in the pocket deliver some catchable balls because this arkansas defense is going to make you do that and if you can do that there is there is passing place to be made Ole Miss proved that last week and i think we're gonna get to see that out of bonix this weekend because i feel like this coaching staff has kind of drilled it into his head that he needs to stay in the pocket points this season sometimes almost to his detriment because we saw it a couple of different times in the Georgia game when he wasn't scrambling for his life there would be a running lane open I was at that game and the entire crowd would be screaming run the football go ahead and step up and run it get slide get a first down but Bo is just so committed to the pocket this season I feel like that he is going to stand in there and make some of those throws I think that is an area where Auburn can definitely if they want to execute and these receivers will catch some passes I think it's an area where Auburn can go out there and it's just another layer of their offense that will perform well weaknesses of this Arkansas Razorback football team beating Auburn for the past five seasons Auburn has outscored Arkansas in their past five games 44.6 to 12.8 that's the average score that's a 31.8 win margin for Auburn this Gus Malzahn offense has played pretty well against Arkansas these past five years Auburn's won every single game last year was the closest game I believe in those five 30 to 28 was the final score this Auburn team still has the personnel of that Malzahn offense. I think they're going to try and do a lot of what we talked about earlier, Noah, which is inside and outside zone. We're going to get to see them try and establish this ground game. And, uh, yeah, just an overarching theme of Arkansas just hasn't been in Auburn in the past few years. It's just how they're built. Auburn and Arkansas want to play this game a similar way, but Auburn's better at doing it. They've been better in the trenches. Auburn's strengths this year, running the football and stopping the run. Hmm. 
Well, Arkansas wants to run the ball 70% of the time. Can they do that against Auburn? The two teams that are good at stopping the run that they've played, Arkansas really didn't run the ball well. Hmm. Maybe that'll limit what Arkansas can do on offense. On the flip side, what does Arkansas do poorly, which is one of the weaknesses that I have pegged for them? Run stopping. They're not that good at it, guys. They're not that good at it. We came to the season assuming that this front seven would have trouble stopping the run, and that is still holding true as they are giving up four and a half yards per carry this season. Nonetheless, this cover three defense it is designed in a way that's going to help bring players closer to the line of scrimmage. It just depends on if they're going to be in the dollar, like you pointed out. Are they just going to have five players where you should have a front seven? Is it going to be a front five? And they're going to you know, trade in some defensive backs. It's a personnel issue type of thing mm-hmm. for Arkansas in this game. Are they going to have the personnel to come up and try and beat Auburn in this power game? And if they do, even if even if they do have the personnel right and they do line up and try and stack the box a little bit more can they still beat Auburn hat for hat and I still don't think that they can I don't trust this group from a run stopping perspective because they haven't done it all season they're not a great tackling team Auburn proved that last year if you can get Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter to the second level which I think that they'll be able to do from a numbers perspective if you can get them to that second level watch out there's going to be some plays like you saw last year. This was Tank Bigsby's coming out party last season. Um, Jarquez Hunter, Tank Bigsby, 200 yards combined, maybe more, 100%. Give it to me. The last three times Auburn went to Fayetteville, they scored at least 46 points. Twice they scored over 50. Like you mentioned, the run stopping has been an issue. It is definitely a weakness of this team. They are 11th in the SEC and rushing yards allowed per game. And in SEC games alone, they are 10th in the SEC in yards allowed per run at 5.4. They have struggled against SEC competition to stop the running game. What does Auburn do well? They run the football. What does Jarquez Hunter do well? He rips off a ton of yards per rush. He still leads the nation after after having a such a poor performance on the ground last weekend against Georgia. Jarquez Hunter still leads the nation in yards per carry. We're going to get a heavy dose of him. We're going to get a heavy dose of Tank Bixby. That is an area where Auburn can go out there and just say, like you mentioned, even if Arkansas wants to try and stop the run game, I don't know if they're really going to be able to if Auburn's forcing the issue. Another weakness of this football team, I'll go ahead and peg it, the passing game. They've been able to create some big plays, but outside of Traylon Burks, what does this team really offer in the passing game? K.J. Jefferson averages just 22.5 passing attempts per game. They don't want him to throw the football. What does that say about your quarterback if they don't want him to throw the football? That's not really the heart of their game plan. It's an extension of it. They want to set up downfield shots. As I pointed out earlier, it is a short-to-shot offense they want to make easy reads for this guy as an extension off of the running game and then once guys come into the box they're going to bust it downfield but the thing is if they can't run the ball that won't work Mm -hmm. it didn't really work against A&M outside of a couple of outstanding plays by Traylon Burks where that was more on him rather than the quarterback and really just terrible defense by Texas A&M it didn't work at all in the Georgia game and Ole Miss's defense is bad very bad I think Tennessee's going to score a ton this weekend but that's a side point here if, if as long as our Auburn can stop the running game Arkansas is going to have a really hard time throwing the football he's not a guy that's going to deliver a lot of big time throws he's not one of those quarterbacks who's going to make those back shoulder you know plays that are going towards the sideline those NFL type throws that's not going to happen and they're not going to ask him to do it and so when it turns into third down and long and Auburn can bring some pressure against this offensive line that hasn't been very good at pass blocking either if Auburn can get into that backfield, put some pressure on him just with their front, which I think they'll be able to do because they did it against LSU, 
KJ Jefferson's going to have a long day. Just make sure you tackle the guy when he's going on his own reads and whatnot. If you can limit what he does with his legs, take away Arkansas's ground game, Auburn's going to have a lot of success from a defensive standpoint, and I don't see any reason why they're not going to be able to do that. I really hope Owen Papo can get back because he could have a field day. It's similar to the way that I perceive the way Auburn would stop Georgia, stopping the run game and putting some pressure on the quarterback in third and long situations, except this time I feel like you truly do have to put somewhat of a QB spy because K.J. Jefferson is mobile. He's more mobile than Stetson Bennett, and I would like to see Auburn, when they get into that situation, make sure Traylon Burks is covered. Whatever you got to do, if you got to put bracket coverage on him, if you got to put three guys on him like Calvin Johnson had that one time, I believe it was against the Saints, do it. And then make sure K.J. Jefferson can't run because the other weapons on this offense, they haven't been targeted that much, so that give, leads me to believe that th- that Traylon Burks is truly their best weapon. If you shut him down, I think you shut down the rest of this passing offense, and KJ may have nowhere to go if Auburn's pressure gets home. Final evaluation of how Auburn matches up with Arkansas, Lance. Auburn by forty. I'm kidding. I think Auburn definitely has some some strengths against Arkansas's weaknesses. That on Saturday we will see. The fact that it is an it is an early game concerns me, as all early games do regardless of, of who's playing is like how much how much of a a competent product am I going to see as opposed to what I would see at like a 730 kick or something like that maybe Auburn's knocking off the rust from last week against Georgia I doubt it I think Auburn is going to definitely take advantage of running the football in this game and that may be the story I love how Auburn matches up with Arkansas in this game everything that Arkansas wants to do is exactly what Auburn is best at it defending and I think against some pretty good competition this year, they've shown the ability to do it successfully. I thought they did a good job of stopping the run against Georgia for the most part this past week, and that's at the heart of what Georgia wants to do. So I don't see any reason why Arkansas, a much worse team, a much lower caliber of Georgia, why Auburn can't do that. On the flip side, what Arkansas is bad at on defense, Auburn is good at on offense. I don't think Auburn has to change who they are in order to beat Arkansas, whereas there are some other teams on Auburn's schedule this year where you and I could have said oh Auburn has to do something different in this game from what who they are as a team to be able to pull off this upset namely this past week against Georgia right like we felt like Georgia's offense factored well into what Auburn wanted to do on defense which I think the first half proved that since Auburn was able to limit what they did and really didn't allow them to do you know Georgia was not just blowing you know massive holes through Auburn's defense and making huge plays left and right against Auburn I think a a couple of penalties on uh, a couple of questionable penalties on one of Auburn's defensive drives would have had that score a little bit lower and maybe if Auburn you know hadn't had an interception inside their own 20 coming off of shot shiver shoulder pads the game develops a little bit differently but still I think Auburn's defense played pretty well last week but how Auburn had to change things on offense to be successful against Georgia we knew that Auburn was going to struggle to run the ball because of how good Georgia's defense was they were going to have to change things a little bit on offense in order to be successful Auburn doesn't have to change anything about themselves this week whereas I think Arkansas is the team that has to change some things about themselves in order to win this ball game to me Auburn's going to be comfortable going into Fayetteville whereas Arkansas there's probably some question marks in their own camp about what they're going to be able to do well this week I don't know if they're going to be able to do a whole lot well. Again, it comes back to can Auburn stop the run? And I don't know if Arkansas's offensive line is on the level of Georgia's. Now, is it a bad line in the SEC? 
I don't think so. I think based, it's a pretty good offensive based line. Based on the way that they've been able to, to carry themselves outside of that Georgia game. So Auburn could run into some issues still stopping the run. But I, I think Auburn's going to be able to score enough points to potentially win this game. I, I, I truly believe that the running game for Auburn will have some success this weekend as opposed to what we saw last week against Georgia. I'm not going to say that it's going to be as dramatic of a blowout as what happened in 2016 against Arkansas. But the vibe I get going into this football game is, and on good Auburn teams, you think back 2017, this happened, 2016, this happened, it was the Arkansas game in 2016, 2017, there, this game occurred, it felt like it was Texas A&M in early November, but you can look around at some good Auburn football teams, 2013 it occurred, some of these good Auburn football teams, there's always that breakthrough game where some folks were kind of iffy about Auburn, whether or not Auburn was going to win. It's kind of closely contested, you know, going throughout the week. You thought, oh, this should be a pretty good football game. But then Auburn just kind of busted through against them. With the way that the matchups look, I wouldn't be shocked if this is that game for Auburn. I'm not going to say that they're going to win like they did in 16 or what was that, like 56 to 3 or whatever. You know, I'm not going to say that it's going to be that dramatic. But I would not be shocked if this ends up being a two-touchdown victory for Auburn. And some people out there may be like, man, you are way too confident. Sure, but look at how the matchups look on paper. I, I'm feeling confident going into this weekend, and I, I think Auburn should be able to pretty easily you know, handle their business going into Fayetteville. And then maybe the discussion switches from, oh, Arkansas is the upstart team of the SEC, and instead it's Auburn is the upstart team in the SEC, especially if they can pull a win over Ole Miss in a couple of weeks. But let's head to a quick break here. When we come back, we wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. About four minutes left in the show till the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck as they follow us here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Let's go back to our ed season, uh, our midseason SEC report card. You and I did not finish this yesterday. We didn't finish the SEC West yesterday. So throughout the rest of the week, we're going to be taking a look at all of the SEC teams doing our SEC midseason report card and giving a grade to these teams. We have done five of the seven SEC West teams. We've got two more to do here, Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Give me a grade on the Ole Miss Rebels. I give it a B plus simply because I think that a lot of people up until this point didn't would not have thought that what they would have been able to play the way that they have, especially on offense, especially look, looking at all the talent that they lost in the receiver room. I thought some people thought this offense is going to take a step back. The defense is still terrible. This team is just kind of be going to be eh, like last season. They've still got a lot to prove, but it looks like through six games – they have a little bit more in the tank than they did last season, especially in the receiving room. I just want to know what else could this team have done, you know, to 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 do better than this at this point. And, and that's beat Alabama. They've handled their business outside of the Alabama game. And the Alabama game went so poorly that I've got them at a B plus. I think it's just been an above average. I don't like that defense a whole lot. And I think the offense is actually maybe better than it was last year, but the yep. defense I still think is just as bad. So Ole Miss marginally improved. Will that be enough to make a difference down the stretch as the meat of the schedule arrives? Fortunately for them, A&M's not as good as they were last year. LSU was very, very, very bad. I think Auburn's going to be a challenge for them. But outside of that Auburn game, things are pretty easy for, for Ole Miss moving forward. Um, taking a look at that Liberty game. I still think that one should be easy. Liberty's know, not I'm as kid, good as they I, were I last kid, year. Yeah. Last team here, Texas A&M. Texas A&M. The Alabama win bumps it up C+. 
Oh, I went C minus. I, I don't even think that redeems it for them. You beat the number one team in the country. Yeah. Good job. But you also lost to Mississippi State at home. Like even this Missouri game this weekend, I'm not and so Arkansas. Sure. I mean, they're they are still one and two in conference play. Like right. we have to remember what the expectations were for this Texas A and M team. It was to challenge Alabama for the SEC West, and although they beat them, they have not challenged the top of the SEC West yet. Whoever it is right now, which currently it is Alabama and Auburn still at the top, and Ole Miss, that three-way tie with all one loss. Actually, there's a four-way tie because Mississippi State just has one loss. Although that is the truth, A&M has not challenged for the top of the West. So I went C-minus. That Alabama win still doesn't even fully redeem it for me. But the report card grade could change at the end. Just like if it was midterms after the first quarter and you got your report card, you can still raise the grade by the end of the year just from what they've done right now at C-minus work for me. Yeah, absolutely. The reason I that I have it at, at an above-average performance be, is I guess I am putting a lot of stock into the Alabama win because you are, like you mentioned, 1-2 and two in conference play right now. Your quarterback situation outside of last week's game is a mess. Like That's just the way it is. He was one of the, the worst quarterback in the SEC coming into this still game against be. Alabama. Come he on. still may be, and that's what I was saying is this Missouri game this weekend, I'm not sold that A&M's going to be able to go in there and win, like even comfortably. I just I don't. There could be a major letdown for him. I mean, it would be the a microcosm of college football for this year if A and M were to beat the number one team of the country the week before and then lose to a SEC winless Missouri team that just kind of struggled against North Texas this past week. No defense, no defense whatsoever there. Which may be the reason why I still think A and M wins that ball game because Missouri is not good. That's it for another edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow, same time, same place. You know where to find us.